Welcome back, everyone, uh, to Struggle Circle by Style Circle. As you know by now, I'm Naomi, and this week we're going to be diving into another pretty lengthy topic. Last week we attempted to tackle um, the lack of racial diversity in fashion. Um, so if you haven't checked out that episode, go to our Anchor or iTunes profile. We had a really amazing discussion with some amazing guest speakers. Um, so we're just going to kind of play off of the success that we had with last week's episode. But this week on the tone of diversity, we're going to talk about power dynamics. Um, have you ever noticed that the majority of the fashion industry is run and catered to women, and yet most of the highest positions within the industry are still held by men? Um, so that's what we're going to be chatting about today. I've got some special guests with me here today, as well as some of our OG podcast voices. Um, so why don't we all introduce ourselves and then we'll jump right in. Hey guys, it's Anna again. You know me, so hi. <laughs> and then there's me, Kaylee. I've also been here since the beginning. Hey, it's Luke. I was on last week's episode and I'm back this week to talk power dynamics. Okay, so kind of jumping off the intro, um, yeah, have you all noticed this? I know I've kind of noticed this in the last little while. Um, well, I think it's really fitting, especially after this whole, like, Time's Up, Me Too yeah. um, movement. That's definitely so why I've kind of noticed yeah. it a little more. Yeah. Um, so how do we feel? Like, as most of us are women, and then Luke, obviously not, um, <laughs> I mean, we pretty much feel at home in fashion, at least I feel like I do. Um, any fashion workplace that I've ever been a part of is predominantly women, um, which has been amazing and inspiring. Um, but kind of comparing that to the overall structure of the industry, I always find it really interesting how most of the most powerful creative directors at the biggest, biggest brands are still men. Or they're like women with partners who yeah. are men yeah 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 I find personally even I know you talked about how you feel a lot uh feel really at home because a lot of the companies we've worked for um individually have been predominantly women but even with that said like the company I work for now it's predominantly women and still the person who owns and operates the business and who makes basically the biggest decisions is a man um I mean not to say that isn't great it's I mean everyone deserves equal opportunity obviously but it just seems like you were saying that there's just kind of a strange divide where the line between who it is the companies are catering to and who it is who are really like the lifeblood of the companies mm -hmm. and making the big decisions yeah are just there's a gap there and we've also talked about this before where like I think in the internship kind of episode we talked about how it's the people who do the small things that kind of make the company run when you when you analyze it obviously the general tone and direction of a of a company matters but um yeah it's just it's so interesting where like the people who are lowest on the totem pole seem to make the company run in terms of the day-to-day -day. yeah like they wouldn't be able to survive without those, them exactly and those are women i mean the only interns i've seen come through tnt are women we're hiring a bunch of new people so maybe that'll change um but at the same time it is kind of how um, the industry, like the ratio of men to women is structured, right? So if there's, if it's, let's say, 60-30 or whatever, and that's wrong, 60-40, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be that way represented generally in the company. So yeah. I think it's kind of normal to see more women, but at the same time, in positions of power, with fewer men in the industry, why is it that they're running Higher most up. of the... Yeah. 
And even yeah. thinking about like the most successful brands, they've all been created by men, with the exception of maybe Chanel. But even now, Chanel is run by a man, by Karl Lagerfeld. Which we have so many opinions to say. On. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Later on. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, kind of jumping off that to Kaylee, like some of the other major brands like Dolce & Gabbana, Dol- um, Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana, both male. Um, Tom Ford, male. Mark Jacobs, male. Even Versace, um, right? Versace. I mean, now run by his sister, but... But that's only because he passed away. Yeah. So, like, where would we be? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as kind of young professionals going into the industry... Um, are we cool with this? Are we not cool with this? Um, Luke, I'd kind of like to get your opinion on it since you would probably be kind of like the odd man out yeah, in most yeah, situations. Yeah. Um, so do you think about this at all? What are your kind of thoughts um, on it going into? I do. And uh, like Katie was saying, like historically, like every fashion house or atelier or brand as we know today was, you know, born and bred from male designers and businessmen. Um, and fashion really didn't become like a, a business, so to speak, until, you know, the late 19th century. So I think it's just like a tradition yeah. as this with most businesses that like, you know, men are at the helm of at the helm of them. Right. I think that's because just like at the time that they started. That was. Yeah. Traditional. Women weren't working. Exactly. And, you know, women weren't even allowed to be dressmakers until, you know, the early 1800s, too. So I think there's like a historic element to that. And I think it goes it goes with like wage gap and all that stuff with like any business mm-hmm. where like women just need to be in more positions of power. Yeah. Um, but I think as a male in the industry, I've been definitely pre-exposed to like a lot of privilege. And I can say definitely even in like my university career, um, when there's opportunities for like special topics courses um, or awards or fellowships or things like that, I find that I'm constantly being recommended to these things. Oh, um, really? Oh, 100%. Wow. Yeah. Um, an example I can think of is the tailoring um, special topics class, and only six students get in. And they announce it to the whole class, but then they, like, pester individual students. And now keep in mind, like, in my year, there's me and, like, literally two other boys. So, like, in, you know, a class of, like, 200 people, there's only, like, th- three boys, right? So tailoring, again, is, like, a traditionally, like, male-dominated male industry, right? So they reached out to me and the two other guys specifically being like, we want you for this course. Um, and I bet their thinking was like, oh, we'll have three and three maybe. But it's interesting because as I was saying, like the ratio isn't half and half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. interesting. Exactly. So I think it's it's kind of very backwards, whereas like because technically on the gender spectrum, I'm, you know, not the majority, but even though, you know, it should be more like obviously there are so many qualified people in this program who could have taken that course and could have easily been recommended yeah, and well, done that's an what amazing I was job. I feel like right? there were some female students who killed probably it. would have killed exactly. it. Exactly. And there was a huge controversy with the female students for that special topic class as well because the tailor was very misogynistic and mm-hmm. sexist. And so um, one of my friends who is an Im- immaculate tailor, like probably um, Justine Woods, she's amazing. Um, she faced a lot of like issues with, with the interview and so did a lot of other girls who applied for that program, right? So, and then I didn't think I did particularly well on the interview, but I still got in to the course, right? Wow. So like there's, you know, there's a definitely like I can tell that because I'm male, yeah. you know, gay or not, yeah. I'm I'm being preempted to these exciting opportunities because 
in, you know, the bright lights of the fashion industry. It's men who are, like, like Kaylee was saying earlier, represented as like these creative geniuses who, you know, have yeah. all this artistic talent and have all this nuance and philosophy and all these qualities that women aren't celebrated for. And the thing yeah. is with that, I feel like maybe it's probably not, it's probably done um, unconsciously where they're, they go, whoever's making the decision, they're in a meeting and they're probably like, well, we want to make this diverse. So we'll have equal men and women, right? Because in your case, you're the minority in this in this um, in this program. Mm-hmm. So they're probably thinking we to make it diverse, we make it eat like equal, equal. in terms of quantities, exactly, yeah. which it's always that way, right? Like in with the Vogue magazine cover, they had like the one black girl and it's like, well, we 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 had that in, included yeah. and so therefore checkbox check and it's over yeah. and it's like yeah equal opportunity obviously but it's like the way you go about it matters like if you're mm-hmm. just doing it as a way to you know check, check it off box. your list <clears throat> then it's not the same as wanting to do it genuinely and I also think it comes it's like the same thing as a wage gap topic where people are like well this woman should be paid equally to the man and it that's the, if she's the, doing the same work. But it, it's not even that. It's like the, the topic of gender shouldn't even have been discussed no. in, in the first place. It should be such like it's just based on performance. Right. So if you were to take away anyone's gender identification on a form, it should be obviously fluid based on the performance. Yeah. And then the second you put that mask back on and you realize it's probably going to be so mixed, like it's going to mm-hmm. be. Some men, some unidentified, like un- whatever, some people who don't identify as either, and then women, like it could be totally mixed. It's it's a question of removing the thing that is an identifier, is an identifier, yeah. so that it could be completely um, fair yeah. and unbiased. So yeah, I think with you, it might be that they were like, oh, th- three and three, perfect. But it's number one. Look at like the ratio of people, right? Because mm-hmm. that just makes the likelihood of of ap- applying as a female just so much more difficult than yeah. it should be. I think even the perf- like the performance thing too, there's a lot of like preempted expectations with performance as well because right, for sure. even if a female performs well, there's this traditional like sense that you know, males are tougher and men are tougher and they'll grow and they'll develop. And they'll get and it done without worrying so much about other things. Exactly. Life. And yeah. they won't complain. They'll, you know, they're able to be pushed down and built back up and they become mm-hmm. stronger for that. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, qualities like resilience or qualities like um, strength, strength and like being commitment, forward thinking and yeah. commitment and all that stuff that are traditionally, especially in the fashion industry, are traditionally not applied to women. And I think. Well, Which I find is so ironic because women in their day-to-day life have to be a million times more resilient exactly. than the average person anyway. Yeah. Here's ahead. the thing, though. I think you bring up a really good point. You were saying earlier that the fashion industry is very kind of stuck in its ways. Like, it's still a very traditional industry, despite being so creative and kind of fast-paced. And innovative. Forward-thinking, yeah. innovative. Air quotes. Air yeah, quotes. Exactly. Um, but it's still very traditional in the sense that there are all these kind of structures hierarchies in place. Are and so strong. Hierarchies yeah. are so well defined in the fashion industry. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because this industry is based on how you f- it's based on emotions, right? It's your your emotion, emotional reaction to mm-hmm. a garment or whatever it is, a, yeah. a fabric or whatever. And so to then put it back in the realm of, well, if you as an individual in the industry hold that trade i.e. women traditionally, is, yeah. that's the the belief anyway, mm-hmm. then for some reason that doesn't translate to you being successful in an industry that's based on people's emotional emotion reactions. And, yeah. and so then it still, no matter what industry you're in, it, fashion is one of the most creative industries and they still 
put it in like the I say in quotes the traditional like mat mindset like the mindset of like the man has to run it who is thought of as not emotional and not Mm -hmm. in tune with his feelings and the anesthetic in general so it's just such a contradiction it's like how does one equal the other yeah Yeah. but then again it is a business right so yeah and then also too the thing that always kind of sparks thought in me is you know you look at those brands that are helmed by amazing women like when Claire Waite Keller was at Chloe mm-hmm. and even um and she killed Phoebe it. Philo at Celine My like favorite. those two women made those brands what they are today and Seriously. are probably two of the most powerful women in the fashion industry Stella McCartney as well and then we even look at like Anna Wintour yeah obviously like right? the queen but of fashion you bring up a good point because it's interesting how men can run like a lot of men run these like Condé Nast right yeah that's it, they produce like Vogue and whatever or publish I should, should yeah. say and it's funny how when men run it they're running it as from a business mm-hmm Stand, standpoint yeah. but then when Anna Wintour has been dominating the publishing, fashion industry yeah. and publishing and just killing Vogue for years and years she's turned into more of kind of like a muse like a fashion mm-hmm. and she's also always referred to as the ice queen which is also yeah. like this yeah. very non-emotional unapproachable male-esque kind of aura right but even though she's, she's so feminine like in the way she dresses and behaves and she's all she, a lot of these like Anna Della Russo they're turned into muses which mm-hmm. are kind of more in the realm of like model or yeah. celebrity yeah rather than being just they're more fetishized called, yeah they, rather than just being called what they are which are businesswomen yeah um it's funny how like a man except I guess except for Karl Lagerfeld he's really done his PR well but a lot of men who run the whatever they run a lot of Mm -hmm. the houses that are most famous now it's they're just businessmen like um calvin klein he's a businessman even though he has created an iconic brand and it's just interesting yeah and it's like i was saying earlier too that we talked about this in one of my lectures this year men and women are talked about so differently by fashion journalism and fashion journalism is just kind of what the masses read like first and foremost mm-hmm. when dealing with fashion it's the just, entry point yeah that's what reaches everybody and it makes me kind of upset that women are always talked about as kind of just practical and oh they understand dressing women because they are women it's not some crazy creative process like when they talk about men it's they're these creative geniuses mm-hmm. who can like see women as this creature that they will just dress in these yeah. gorgeous elegant clothes mm-hmm. But then women, and they're just, just there kind to of, be dressed. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. supposed to be second nature to women because we are women and we're yeah. dressing and like mm-hmm. selling clothes to women. Yeah. yeah. But then it also comes to the point where men get so little backlash for some of the things they do in the industry, like Karl Lagerfeld with this yeah. whole I'm fed up with the Me Too movement thing. Yeah. If somebody like Anna Wintour had gone out and oh, said God. that, there would be so much backlash. Yeah. She would have gotten fired. Yeah, there would have been, well, even, like, been a lynch mob. Arms. Well, yeah. Even yeah. she had to kind of adjust what she was doing. As Naomi said, like, she was referred after, especially after the Devil's Prada, she was referred to as, like, an ice queen. So last fall-winter season, 2017, she, after every uh, fashion week um, per, per city, city yeah. had a YouTube video on Vogue, and it was published by them, and she had to do, like, a recap of the collections, and she made such a poignant effort to, to keep it focused on the, the, the news of the day, which is, like, um, diversity in, 
in models. So not just body type, but race and, and gender, gender identity and a bunch of things like that. And she, you could see that not only, obviously it was a PR move, but she really made that effort to keep the conversation mm -hmm. on that. She made note that like in London, they really haven't been pushing forward the idea of uh, diversity as much body type yeah. on the runway. And, and even she was, you know, she's notoriously critical, but that was like her main critique, not so much just, I mean, normally it's just about the collection. She was really looking at the entire picture. Mm -hmm. And I think not only is that no doubt she has a team coming to her and saying, you need to do this, otherwise you will get in trouble. But why is it that some she has a team coming to her and saying that to her and Carl Lagerfeld's team doesn't, doesn't say that say, to him? And it's yeah. not, it, I'm sure Anna Winter came up with that also, like that was part of her own agenda as well. Yeah. But it's not even in the scope of Carl's like view. No. It just doesn't matter. And what gets me is not just recently what he's been saying, but in the past he's talked about, you know, models are hangers. That's their entire purpose. And I mean, yeah. that's true in a sense. Which is but unbearably ironic considering Chanel is one of the biggest brands to enlist the influencers. Yeah, like, exactly. To do all their promo. And also to use this concept of feminism as kind of On a the marketing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, He's a marketing so trick. strategically selective. Like, I think it was... His 2014 or 2013 so. spring summer collection where they did the women's march kind of reenactment as the runway show. Um, and, you know, that was a, seen as this amazing move in the fashion industry, like the biggest designer in all of fashion, getting behind the women's movement, getting behind um, sexual assault survivors. Which lasted, validating, what, six months? Yeah, maybe? not even. And what not gets even. me is like all the you see all the time on Instagram, these like, especially like new models, especially just trying to get their foot in the door, will praise him, like praise his mm -hmm. feet, literally. Yeah. Will do literally dedicated, lick the ground he walks on. <laughs> will do dedicated posters being like, thank you, Carl. And it, I like get Kaya it. Like Gerber yeah, is now of. his like muse Minion. of the day. And Kendall at one point yeah. was like Jones Malls, all these people where it's like, you claim to care so much about Women. women you are a woman you care so much you go to the women's march and then you still it's just he's just glazed over it's crazy how he yeah. just has no repercussions we yeah. we've talked about him before in terms of manipulation with you know he designs for every niche market we've talked about this where yeah. it's like you can't have all the customers, customers you can't yeah. be that manipulative of the system and he still does and somehow like if, as you said if anna winter were to do that she'd get roasted yeah but also going to your point kaylee about how men and women in fashion kind of experience different levels of backlash for what they do in comparing you know Karl Lagerfeld to Anna Wintour you know for me it would have been such an amazing thing after Karl Lagerfeld made those comments um is if somebody yeah. like Anna Wintour or the other major designers would have come out and said sorry Karl Lagerfeld yeah. you're not allowed to say that that's not okay yeah. like why are you being so hypocritical we won't publish you or we won't whatever. publish you yeah Vogue Anna Winter could have been like sorry Chanel ads are now on hiatus because they do not align with the pillars of Vogue I mean and she's, we know he would respond to that because he's a physicist like, man yeah yeah you know? so it just it kind of behooves me that you know him of all people who is literally the head of fashion um can kind of go around and say whatever he wants, how awful it is. Mm -hmm. um, 
and how ironic it is um, and, you know, not experience any ramifications whatsoever. I think the only sort of um, designer that I saw that called him out was Haley Elsacer. Mm-hmm. I saw her video on it and I thought that was just Good. so great. I was so proud of her. But, but in I loving feel like her, a lot like of, she's really small still. Yeah. Like and from I feel a like a lot of the other designers who are kind of kind of bigger would be afraid to say anything against him Which because so he strange. holds yeah. so much power in yeah. the industry and yeah. I don't understand how or when that can that happened. But it goes to show the again irony and the dichotomy between, you know, PR and what people believe. Mm-hmm in their heart and you know all these brands have been you know jumping on feminism jumping on diversity jumping on inclusion and body positivity because it's the topic of the moment social media wise and yet nobody blinked an eye when Karl Lagerfeld said that you know models who don't want their pants pulled down should go and join a nunnery like I'm sorry if you believe that you know empowering women and making women feel beautiful is the end goal which is what fashion is about um obviously it's about making everyone feel beautiful but as a result of this discussion like the fashion industry is very much catered to women um you can really see kind of which brands are doing it for a pr move and for a sales move and not authentically integrating it into their company it's funny how it hasn't changed i mean as you said luke um traditionally obviously women weren't even able to work generally speaking when the fashion industry really started but it's just so crazy how over time, even like, you know, the post-war Dior kind of revolution, that was the first time fashion was really catered to women. And it's surprising to me that over the last 60 years now or so, almost 70 years, it's like that it still hasn't just even gradually changed. At, like it really hasn't. It's so mm-hmm. strange that the power still remains in, it's kind of like the 1% problem. Yeah. And, and it's just so funny how, over over the last 70 years fashion really has been catered more to women than ever mm-hmm. and still the positions of power yeah. are held by men it's just so surprising yeah. i mean i hate to make this comparison but like you know carl like look at donald trump right like <laughs> carl lagerfeld is at literally one of the most powerful yeah. fashion brands in the entire industry right so he is untouchable you know like nobody in their right mind would mm-hmm. cross him or even try to um because he just you know the press can do whatever they want and they can you know he can be easily ignored like Donald Trump became the president of one of the most powerful countries in the United States and he says terrible things but there, here he is you know having all that power and all this control yeah. right so it's really a shame to me because as an aspiring designer you know I want to make sure that I do the best that I can to like make a positive impact on the industry and whatever that is but I think the problem with young designers today too is that there's this constant Fear. Um, fear. And there's yeah. an aspiration complex because in fashion, you're not really given a lot of diversity with in terms of like for designers, I would say more than, you know, other things. But you're not really given a lot of role models that are diverse in terms of their um, positions in the industry. Like when mm-hmm. you want to be a fashion designer, it's the same thing. Like you literally aspire to have your own brand and do your own stuff and have that five second walkout at the end of the runway, do your little bow and you're you've accomplished something, you know, like nobody says, I want to be like Stella McCartney because she revolutionized, you know, the faux fur industry and, yeah. um, and is using science in textiles. Exactly. Yeah. Or like is, you know, one at the helm of sustainability mm-hmm. in the industry. Right. So I think it's a shame that. And it's hard to like, it's hard. It's all well and good to talk about it. But when you're starting out as a designer, you, that's one of the, I mean, starting any business, but like 
producing garments is one of the most expensive things you can do. And as a young, like 23 year old with you're trying to get investors, like it's just not your priority until you get move, moving. Yeah. And by that time, it may be either ingrained, which is what I'm finding with my the company I work for now. It's just ingrained. And, you know, however long it's been 30 years down the road or 10 years down the road, you might just be too far along. Obviously, like with Stella McCartney, if you want to, you can make the change. I mean, she's always had this in her kind of business plan, Philosophy, but yeah. she really has in the last five years done huge amounts of um, great work in terms of sustainability and and um, like v- just everything vegan. It's amazing. But it really has to be ingrained in your philosophy. And at the beginning, it's just not your priority when you're just trying to yeah. make enough to pay your rent. And so in a way, it's fair, but it's also not speaking actually on your point about Donald Trump. It's one of those things where him getting elected was a horrible, horrible thing, but it might be the his extreme nature might be just going past the line. I mean, obviously, it crosses a a ton of lines, but Mm -hmm. in terms of um, acceptability within like middle America, which are where the votes are, maybe in fashion, you have one figure who just is is extreme, but just goes too far. Past the, I mean, obviously, there. Carl Lagerfeld is past the realm of being an acceptable human being yeah. and, and a nice person. But what but, does he have to do to actually get backlash? Yeah, but with Donald Trump, like, I don't I have no doubt that after this, we're going to have a female president. Mm-hmm. We won't, but they will. They will. Yeah. <laughs> I just say it because it's so in our main. Stream, well, and we're but, close to them. Yeah, yeah. But I just think you know, you can you can tap someone enough times until they literally turn around and punch you in the face. Yeah. Right. So like. Maybe there's just like the last straw that broke the camel's back will be Trump, but maybe it'll be eventually Lagerfeld goes too far mm-hmm. and that's when real change can start. Because that's, that's kind of how the Me Too and Times Up movement happen, right? Like it, uh, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein went just the, the, too far. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he went just too far. He, if he had stopped five years ago, like who knows what yeah. would have happened. Maybe none of, none of this, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Carl will be dead in a couple of years. And then yeah. We'll see what happens. He's like, what, 76? Yeah, but he's like getting old. So yeah. we're just okay. biding our time. But I think that's a good point, too. It's kind of like there's so much, I think you make a good point about the whole Donald Trump thing. Cause like, yeah, it doesn't necessarily like change the way middle Americans think, but like young people are really affected exactly. by it. And yeah. like we are the future, right? So exactly. I think there's a lot of hope for like new designers to come into yeah. these yeah. positions, like who will take Carl's position, exactly. yeah. right? And it, it's like Hedy Slimane at Celine, right? Like there's a lot of controversy surrounding that mm-hmm. and, you know, putting a male into that position. Which was done really well by a woman. Yeah, exactly. It's and like, you know, can't be beat. Like yeah. Phoebe Philo is like the queen. The queen. It. Yeah. Right. The whole reason Celine really is what it is. Got back to where it was is her. because of her. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys think? I mean, this has been a great topic to discuss. But do you think, like, what is too far in terms of the feminist discussion? Like, how do you? Because th- my experience is like, all of this is great, but. I know a lot of the guys I know, it, it hits a point where now it's it's patronizing to them mm-hmm. and to what they've n- always known. Or, you know, some of the things like, you know, the free the nipple thing it might be just a s- separate issue. It may not, you know, mm-hmm. it could just be like we're trying now to go down every avenue of equality where maybe we need to just focus on, you know, the, the core of it, which is fair fair wage, equal wage and all that kind of stuff. It just mm-hmm. seems like. And does there come a point kind of when 
the advocacy becomes so intense that you're now making it scary and for people thing, to I want that, to improve that the, the way that they the exactly. movement was like I don't think that was going too far because with any sort of social movement you need to do something that will get people to pay attention like if you look at the suffragettes like they would burn their bras they mm-hmm. like would wear short skirts they would do scandalous they things broke store windows yeah they would do scandalous things so that society would pay attention because mm-hmm. they're not going to pay attention to somebody who's just kind of quietly standing yeah, up and being like hi i would correct. like to be equal thank you but with that it's like it's like let's say you get in a fight with someone right and they come to you and they apologize human nature is to always want more right so i know i've been advised with people where they've apologized and i've been kind of like well this hurt me and like continued it on when it was could have ended there and so what i and a lot of the guys i know i feel like at some point they kind of go i get it like i never didn't think you were equal to me um and maybe that's because they were raised in a household with like a working mom or whatever it is or like in Canada it's been pretty my experience has been I've never felt less than but I know that sometimes if you keep like digging at something what ends up happening is the person who's receiving it will get just more angry at the fact that they are being patronized patronized attacked. attacked right and so that in turn leads to just well no like an immediate denial of the of the circumstance Mm -hmm. and so my thing is like how many basically how many hashtags is too many like we need to all maybe rally behind one total message of what we think equality is and and parlay that in a Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a calm way but maybe not so shoving it down every single man's throat because a lot of people i know are already at that stage of thinking like women are equal to me and what i think happens is we group all men together and we say you're not treating me fairly yeah and it's to a lot of people that can turn them into people who don't think of us fairly fairly because they think they were being targeted not to say like we should excuse men who you know, mm-hmm. in, it but there that are way. good men. But there are, there are a lot like, of good men out there. I understand and that getting constantly criticized if you are a decent man who like respects women and is all for equality. Mm-hmm. I understand that that would be very kind of tiresome, and it would just turn you the other way. Like kind for example, bitter. at the Oscars, I think it was Natalie Portman was presenting Best Director, yeah. and a lot of people praised her, but a lot of people gave her some shit because you're talking to what's his name, Del Toro, right? Yeah, he won, uh, and a lot of people said, "You know what? This is a guy who grew up in Mexico, moved here, lives in Toronto. Is like not mm-hmm. a fancy Hollywood guy. Is a really like whatever." And yeah. I, I mean, I don't know his politics, and I don't know the well, kind and, of I don't know the yeah. ratio of like men to women on his sets in terms of not mm-hmm. even just the actresses and actors, yeah. but you know the the set crew, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it just seemed like this was a man who's been working for thirty years, has never won, and you took the that moment away from him basically what happened was she she literally goes and here are the all-male nominees Nominees. and granted Greta Gerwig should have been been a nominee nominee but that's not this guy's fault no and it and it did take away from his moment you could see you could see like a little bit of pain where he was like now I feel like I must apologize for being a man Mm -hmm. but I produce this incredible work and here's which also centered around a woman 
I feel right? like feminism shouldn't be about putting men down. down. It's about just like making women feel like they're equal. 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 Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's something that some people mm-hmm. kind of get to either go to men either with... deny yeah. or think that we're all man haters. Mm-hmm. And some women do take it too far. I mean, there's always extremists. Yeah. So, but I also think too, in the kind of using your example, Anna of Natalie Portman and Guillermo del Toro, I mean, yeah, I personally thought that her move was amazing because the fact that he was nominated along with all male nominees doesn't, in my opinion, take away from the fact that he won. Like, he obviously deserved that award because he won. But kind of going back to your point, Kaylee, like, why couldn't they have, like, nominated yeah. a female director? Like, But don't you think that immortalized the moment for him as... I now feel bad for not being a woman and winning. Well, I think... Or for the, the her guilt. not getting nominated. I mean, it's not his yeah. choice. But I think if you're going to feel guilt, there's always a source of guilt. Right. So if he felt guilty by her making that comment, it was probably him introspecting on yeah. his own position, being like, well, maybe I yeah, could have said maybe something. I could be a better advocate for women. Maybe right. I should write more stories for women. Maybe totally. I should have directors that are women on my sets or, like, Production more men on or my... Or more women on my sets. So... I don't necessarily feel bad that he might have felt bad for winning that award after because maybe it'll be a kick in the something pants. internal is always the source of guilt. So like totally, if I he get, had a reason yeah. to feel guilty for winning that, that's it not her fault. It comes from somewhere. Yeah. It comes from somewhere. And maybe it's a like kick in the pants where he's like, you know what? That didn't feel good. I mean, maybe again, I'll change my I don't actions know how many women he hires on the yeah. sets, but traditionally it's there's a majority of men on movie sets. And yeah. so, yeah, it could be a good way to. Yeah. motivate. And I think the whole discussion that we've been having now surrounding Me Too and Time's Up is mostly about awareness. Totally. Yeah. And making people aware of the lack of yeah. equality because it's really easy even for all of us to just go about our daily business, living life the way we always have, not really thinking much about anything, but as soon as somebody makes a comment it opens something else up in you that you can now never not be aware of that thing. Yeah. So yeah. Natalie Portman making that comment, being like, yeah, here are the next six nominees who are all men. Most of the people in that room went, oh, shit, why yeah, is there true. only men being nominated for a directorship yeah. award? Yeah. I think the nature of activism, too, is that when you get so much visibility for an issue, it, Don't just, just, stop. As, it just as easily dies out, right? And I think... Karl Lagerfeld and the Me Too movement is a poignant point where it's like, is this kind of the downfall of that, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, do we need to keep reminding people that this is a a very big issue and mm-hmm. still needs to be addressed, right? So I, I think maybe starting in the film industry is good because of the nature of like the celebrity fame mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how it's like, the, it hasn't translated over yeah. to fashion. It really hasn't. Like the Me Too and Time's Up movements have kind of stayed in Hollywood. In Hollywood and then kind of the general public. Yeah. But it hasn't transferred as mm-hmm. fluently into other, even just creative yeah. fields where you'd think it would be able to transfer pretty easily. Like, there's not a single person talking about how Karl Lagerfeld seems like a misogynist. Yeah. At all. And it's so strange because they're connected so much. Much. Yeah. It's like. And I think the reason why people don't automatically think about inequality in fashion is probably because it's so female dominated. In so, terms of being catered to. Yeah. And, yeah. So people probably look at fashion and go, oh, fashion is made for women. Fashion is run by women. Like, they're good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what are those women being paid in comparison to the men in their company? 
and what positions, positions do yeah. they hold in their companies compared to men? And yeah, actually, because fashion is a creative industry and with the whole modeling aspect, there is a rampant culture of sexual assault and abuse yeah. and, you know, having and to pay your dues yeah. and, you know, biting your tongue. Um, and yeah, when we kind of look at this discussion, um, it is really interesting when you kind of step back from it all and think, yeah, fashion is mostly women, but then all the positions of power are held by men. So is it that much more progressive yeah. than the I other think industries? I Hollywood just kind of draws the spotlight very well because, for example, the Karl Lagerfeld thing happened kind of around the same time that Bill Cosby was declared guilty of sexual harassment. Yeah. So I feel like, like that two days kind of... Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I feel like that kind of just swallowed up all the attention and then nobody really cared about a comment that Carl said to some journalist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, does it reach the ears or the eyes of people with real visibility? Yeah. The Harvey Weinstein thing did, obviously, because it affected so directly mm-hmm. those, those women. Because... The New York Times covered it. Yeah. And they had Gloria Allred, this insane yeah. lawyer yeah. who was just on it. Getting just into all the press it. releases. Yeah. 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 So yeah. why yeah, so I mean in comparing that, why didn't the New York Times write a story about Carl Lockerfeld saying never. shitty things? It's not even this is or like new. This Vogue. is like years and years. Why is there not an article on Vogue.com today yeah. saying Carl Lagerfeld said these shitty things, we do not agree? Like I'm actually confused though about him because Everyone's so scared of him, it seems, and, and people really do suck up to him. Is it, like, what is it about him? Is it, isn't he just, I mean, he's a designer, but what, does he have any actual ability to, like, make or break a career like Harvey Weinstein did, where he could literally say, you're not going into this movie, you will never act in one of my movies? I feel like his relationship to the modeling industry, definitely, yeah. because right. all the new and emerging models, like, once you've made it on a Chanel runway, you've kind of made it. And I think that's why it's not... Um, so public is because someone like me who's in the industry doesn't even know what it is about him Yeah, that makes people so scared. Yeah, if you're in publishing or journalism or PR, like Karl Lagerfeld may not have as big of a clutch on your career. It's modeling, yeah. But the emerging models, like if you're not swept up by a major name designer like Chanel or Marc Jacobs in your first few seasons, like it takes you a really long time yeah. to kind and of get it. the fashion industry as a whole just kind of has this sort of mysterious air to it, it where you don't really know what's behind happening the behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to sort of the general masses. And that's kind of how it's been able to maintain its prestige and like keep working so yeah. smoothly. And like think- nobody, Zara doesn't want people to know how they're able to pump out new clothes every two weeks yeah. Yeah. because that's their secret. That's yeah. what's made them who they are in the industry. Yeah. They've also legally protected it as a trade secret, exactly. so we never will know. <laughs> but but anyway, I think in, yeah. in the film industry, the reason why Me Too and Times Up was so just so strong is because they've made an effort to bring the public into the discussion. The, the discussion and into the back end of film. I mean, for a long time, I think it wasn't in the limelight like so much as it is, as it is today. And there's a reason that within the last two years this has come out is because that industry as a whole has decided okay we're going to bring people into the back end Mm -hmm. whereas fashion still hasn't made that decision i don't think and i'm not sure if it ever will just because of who knows legal reasons or but i mean the age of the influencer gives us all backstage access so i don't really see why we shouldn't i think i I think it's still a facade and i also think fashion is still so niche like in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of the world like everybody watches movie 
movies and stuff, and everybody m- might it's know who Brad culture. Pitt is, but yeah. like not everybody knows who Karl Lagerfeld is, and not so, everybody yeah. cares about what Chanel does. Yeah. You know, most people have the conception that clothes are just things that you put on your body, and models are just hangers. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think because we're at an interesting position in the industry where we're able to criticize these things, it's great, but we're not the average person. We're not the average person, and because of that, it means that we have to work. Even harder. Or even like four times as hard because really, let's say celebrity culture is 100% fashions like and models are like 25% of of kind of like public knowledge. So I think that's actually a really good segue into our last kind of thing that I want to touch upon is we're all emerging fashion professionals. We're getting ready to go into the industry. I mean, the three of us are... Anna, you're working. Luke and I just graduated. Kaylee, you still got a couple years of school ahead of you, but you're by no doubt going to do some really cool things. Um, (laughs) We're all we're all hoping. Um, So what can we do as, you know, those on the bottom of the totem pole um, in uh, in the industry? um, What can we do? What should we do? How do we move the industry forward? So I think, Luke, you brought up a good point about, you know, it has to be from when you get started, especially as, as a designer, because that's kind of what people see when they think of fashion is um, kind of design houses and individual designers. I think it's it comes from, you know, building that into your game plan, like from the get go. It's really hard to change habits once they've started, even over, you know, as I said, like 50 years of fashion being dead, um, targeted towards women. It still hasn't changed really much and that's because it's built into the system and so I think designers coming up that that's a great opportunity is to build it into your kind of philosophy of the of whatever brand you're creating and really all it requires is like like when you interview someone you know do it based on performance and like past experience and stuff like that and who knows the industry may still be dominated by women just because that's generally speaking who's interested but in positions of power, you know, we need just for it just can't be like an old boys club where it's like, oh, I have this friend and he'd be great, you know. And and after women have done so well in 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 with Celine, for example, in certain positions, mm-hmm. maybe we can make an effort, a conscious effort to, you know, bring someone in who kind of resembles that person in yeah. terms of their traits. And we're not saying just kick all men out of fashion no. forever and always. We're it's just maybe. Get rid of this glass ceiling that for some reason isn't letting women achieve the same sort of status and prestige that men have been able to achieve traditionally. And just like, you know, allow them to grow far enough, like, and and continue that. It just seems like everyone I know in fashion is kind of like the buyer is like the ultimate. And it doesn't end up turning into like management, like, you know, and moving higher and higher up where and in terms of design. Maybe you stay as kind of like, I don't know, really the hierarchy of design, but you stay as like an creative assistant, director, creative yeah. director, and you never make it to the the kind of the top echelon of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in no way are we saying like men cannot be involved. They obviously are a minor- minority in this industry. It's just more of like a fairness in terms of distribution within the hierarchy, I think. Yeah. And definitely going off that, I think one of the biggest things we can all do either as emerging professionals or if you're a brand that wants to be more activist in nature, um, is you reflect it in your own company and in your own culture. So 
hire based on skill. Don't ask people, you know, what their gender is in the first round of interviews. I mean, obviously some form. names can give it away, but I mean, people are naming their kids all kinds of things these days, so you can't really assume anything. Um, and give opportunities within your company to people who work their ass off, regardless of what their background is. Um, I think if we can all start to be more conscious a, of the positions we have. So if you're in the industry and you have a position of power, you need to be using it for good. You need to be using it to give other people opportunities. Staying silent. Yeah. That's the thing that I think a lot of people forget is like, oh, well, I didn't say anything. So therefore, like, I didn't say anything bad. Mm-hmm. But it's like, especially in positions of power, it's like I see models just not, models who are basically celebrities it's like you need to be part of the, the, the discussion. positive, not just staying out of it and yeah. just keeping yourself out of yeah. trouble. Saying nothing is just as bad as saying something bad. Yeah. And going off what you said, it's like building it into your, if you want, like any brand can change. I'm Obviously, it's better if you can build it into your philosophy from the start. But I know where I work now, changing is really difficult after 25 years, but it's not impossible. It's mm-hmm. like you just need to dedicate resources to it and... Sometimes, honestly, like hiring people to, you know, advise because Mm -hmm. it's not the easiest of things to transition to. I think um, I definitely agree. And I think like Naomi, what you were saying about like putting in actual like concrete policies for people who are maybe less educated about these issues is a great way to like make small term changes in big companies like saying there's a policy that we don't request gender on resumes like that's something that's so quick that can be approved you know immediately and might inadvertently like change things right Mm -hmm, but I think for young designers um and people like us I think it's so important to be like Anna was saying is to like have your integrity and your values like solidified from the get-go and to have a mentality that those things are malleable and that they'll change and I think as a young designer it's so important to be educated and it's so important to talk to people and it's so important to experience things and to be a part of discussions and to say stupid things and to fail and to learn from those things and then when you are ready to like make important decisions all those experiences are going to like inform how you design they're going to inform how you run your business inform how you hire people or inform you know how you sell your brand sell your brand or sell yourself or live Mm -hmm. your life right and I think for me that that's the most important thing to me because I see in the industry that as soon as people start making a little bit of money, all their values go out the window and their creativity goes out the window and the thought and the research that goes into delivering content that is wholesome and diverse and empowering to people who need that representation um, is just watered down. So I think... Because the industry being... Ultimately, so a business is yeah. very much about the bottom line, which is yeah. just making money and a lot of the rest of the important things just kind of fall out the, the window. Exactly. On, a, on like an upbeat note, I find the people who not only do the, the best work and are recognized for their contributions aren't just people. It is a business, but it's not the people who are making the most money. It is really like it really mm-hmm. is just the people who not only are doing well for themselves that's how you can get noticed but it's the people who are activists in their own right and as individuals not even Mm -hmm. just for the brands they represent so i think it can even benefit the individual like this doesn't even have to be just for your soul and feeling okay with yourself at night before you go to bed it's also it can totally Mm -hmm. make a difference 
for your life in a more tangible way. And most brands that actually start out, you know, positioning themselves and doing what they do for more altruistic reasons generally are the ones that end up making a shit ton of money along the way anyways. Like look at Glossier. Like this is literally my thought. Like I bet Emily Weiss did not wake up one day and be like, I want to turn into the gloss into a company so I can be rich. She was like, I want to turn into the gloss into a company because women need makeup that make them feel good. And And like it's easier. I think that as people just become generally more conscientious about all these issues, I think those are the brands that are going to survive through this kind of whole evolution. And what's comforting about, you know, Emily Weiss, for example, is like, clearly it was an easier choice to make, which is like, it's an easier choice to go, you know what, I like this and I want to do something for women and whatever. It's like, if she had made the decision of, I want to make this company because I want to be rich, it probably wouldn't have worked. No, and it it would have been harder and it would have been harder for her to make it successful. So it's in a lot of cases, it's the easier route to do the thing that you are passionate about. about. But that starts with you being passionate about those issues, right? So I think it starts with, like, even in your daily life, just be like, Mm -hmm. how can I just generally be a more fair, more understanding and just a better person? And then also it'll translate to your work life and everyone will – and people will notice and it'll it'll come back in Mm -hmm. a good way to you. It's like karma. And being aware and being passionate comes back to what Luke said about being educated. Yeah, So get out there. Get educated in any way you can. Talk to people and – Be an activist, man. All right. So I think that ties up our discussion for today. Thank you, Kaylee, Luke, and Anna for all coming and chatting with us. Um, If you have not listened to some of our previous episodes, you should. (laughs) Um, So check us out on Anchor and iTunes. Um, This is probably going to be one of our last episodes as we kind of go off on the spring. I think we're going to have one more. Um, And then we will kind of see where it goes. So if you loved struggle circle by style circle rate subscribe review tell your friends tell people um because we don't want to be making things that you don't want so if you want want to be back for a second season we would love to be back for a second season so tell us if you want us um thanks again to noah and cjru 1280 um and we will see you or speak to you next time Bye. Bye. bye